do over the next seven days. Just for seven days. Because it's not just understanding these things or looking at them and saying, I agree with that. It's practicing them. And it's by practicing them that God uses them to bless people through us. And I'm excited about these practices because I honestly believe, I was thinking a fair amount about it, and I believe that if each one of us took a small step forward in intentionality with even a few of these practices over this year, you'll be introduced to five, but maybe there's one that really stands out to you that you're like, I'm going to challenge myself to really grow in that one this year. If we all just took one step of intentionality, and maybe that step looks very small, it's not some big thing. It's just a small little tweak of how we enter into our everyday lives. I think our church and this community would be buzzing about what God is doing in and through this people. I really honestly believe that. I mean, let your imagination play out a little bit. What would happen if we began this year with prayer and we, as a community and as individuals, said, God, can you show us how to be a blessing to the people of this city? How to be a blessing to one another? We want to do that, God. Maybe we're burnt out on ideas, but would you show us? What would happen if we listened with care to friends and neighbors and coworkers seeking to better understand their hopes, their dreams, their sorrows, their places of wounding and pain? What if we ate together with friends who were really struggling with faith? What if we took time to break bread with those who have questions about faith and Christianity? And we pulled them close and said, yeah, those are good questions. Those are important doubts. Let's work through that together. What would happen if we invited people to our table who just honestly are never going to be invited to anyone else's table? They don't have any social capital. They, they, they have nothing attractive about them from a worldly point of view. They have nothing, there's no, there, there can be no social exchange because they bring, from a worldly point of view, so little to the table. Maybe they don't have friends. Maybe they're isolated, they're alienated. What would it look like if we as a church said, let's eat lunch together. Let's connect over coffee. What would happen if we served one another and served this community in love, not begrudgingly, not out of a, oh, I got something to tick off the religious list. I'm doing this on Thursday night. Whew, I'm done, done my good deed for the week. But we did it out of seeing that these are people who are loved by God. That love would inform our understanding. God would give us new eyes to see. And we were hungry and looking for ways, eager and looking for opportunities to practically love and serve people in this church and people outside of this church, in this community. What would happen if we shared our story both the story of Jesus, even in awkward, imperfect ways, and the story of what God is doing in us and how he's challenging us personally. And if we learn to do that in a way that was confident but also humble and in a way that led to deeper questions and deeper exploration of who Jesus is and didn't shut it down or turn people off, what if we could learn to do those things? What if we did those things? All of us, just one little step. This is my thesis. I honestly think we would have to come up fairly quickly with kind of a church expansion slash growth strategy on every level. Children's ministry, youth, Sunday morning, you name it. It would be, we would be laying down track ahead of a massive locomotive. Not because what we're doing 
is so cutting edge and revolutionary, but because we're stepping into practices that scripture says, these are the practices by which God tends to massively impact the world through his people. So we're just being obedient to scripture. And even if we falter in that obedience, even if we're taking missteps here and there, we're still learning and we're growing and we're increasing our capacity to love God and to love our neighbor. I honestly think we would have a problem of a lot of people wanting to be engaged in and through our church. Because when this kind of thing takes on a momentum, when God blesses these efforts, three things tend to happen, and they kind of coincide with revival. Sleepy Christians who are kind of sleepwalking through their lives wake up. It's kind of smelling salts. Whoa, this is like for real. Wow, okay. People who think they're Christians actually get saved. They move from kind of civic Christianity or culture. Yeah, I've been ch- I kind of go to church a little bit. They actually get saved, turn their lives over to Jesus. And people who are, are antagonistic and dismissive of faith, those people are warmed by the witness to this gospel, and they become saved. And you often in revivals get kind of like Saul to Paul conversions, people who are adamantly against the church, who have an encounter with Jesus through these means, and it just puts their life, and it, their life is a total 180. And I would love to see that happen in Nelson. I actually do have a burden for that to happen in Nelson. Every, meet, every week, uh, some of the pastors um, meet together to pray every Wednesday for an hour, specifically just about what God is doing in Nelson. And we often pray for revival to come in Nelson. For all the churches in Nelson to have the problem that I just talked about, we pray that God would put, um, and we're kind of bold, we kind of pray that God would put Nelson on the map and the kind of word of what is happening in Nelson would spread to different parts of Canada, that in a city that is kind of a poster child for post-secular, post-Christian uh, cafeteria spirituality, God would be doing something here that would make everybody who hears about it say, what the heaven happened to Nelson? Like this place used to be pagan central. But people are coming to faith, and it's not just a fake thing, there are an increasing amount of thoughtful, sincere, generous, um, humble Jesus followers doing things in and through the community that are even causing people who are antagonistic to faith to say, I don't think I'll ever become a Christian, but wow, I'm super thankful for whatever that church is doing. I think Christianity is total garbage. I think it's stupid. But I want whatever's happening in that church to keep happening. Even though they'd want to slander us, speak poorly of us, they can't because of what God is doing in and through simple, simple means of grace to people. I want to be a part of that. And so as I move into the fall, the question to me and to us becomes, how do we make that happen? And I hope we all recognize you cannot make that happen. You can't orchestrate that. You can't orchestrate revival. You can't make people care about Jesus. I can't even make you get excited about this. You could just mentally right now just be completely turned off and thinking about something else. I can't make you want to love Jesus. I can't make you want to serve Jesus. But what we can do is we can create the conditions like a greenhouse whereby growth becomes very natural. We can create the conditions like a greenhouse whereby the growth that God wants to see has as few obstacles and as many nourishing touch points as possible. And the way we can create that 
culture, literally to culture and cultivate. Good soil, I think, is by slowly, patiently integrating these practices into our lives this year. Beginning with prayer, listening with care, eating together, serving in love, sharing your story. And so these are going to be practices that we're going to reinforce throughout the year, but more importantly, that again, we're going to be not just mentioning them to remind you, but giving you challenging ways to practice them in your life, in your small groups, in your marriage, as families, as individuals. Because these are practices that we want to slowly build into our Monday through Sunday lives. We want to step into the pattern of recognizing that we are blessed to be a blessing and then living out of that truth. And so to help in that process, we are going to be throwing out weekly challenges. We've got one for this week. And challenges are meant to just slowly stack and build some momentum so that as we take small steps, we become aware of what God can do with even small little steps. We want to become aware of what can God do with just some loaves and fishes? What can God do with just two copper coins? Logic says little to nothing, but kingdom math is a little bit different. Jesus' love and power and grace is multiplicative. And he can take what seems meager and little and do amazing things through it. And if you read the story, that's what you're seeing him do all the time. Taking the little and the less, the meager and the insignificant, and using it in a way that makes people say, well, God had to be in that because it was just some loaves and fishes. God had to be in that because these were just fishermen. These aren't even like trained religious people, but all these people are coming to faith after hearing this dude Peter say stuff? Wow. And so today, we're going to begin with prayer. Not via a sermon, because that's what just happened. So this, what I just said isn't the introduction to today's message. We're, we're kind of at the tail end, so don't sweat it. But we're actually going to pray together. And we're going to pray through the two questions that I want to challenge you to pray every day for the next seven days. And those two questions are this. God, how do you want to use me to bless the people in my life? This would be a good prayer to pray at the front end of your day. Maybe before you leave your house, maybe before you leave your bedroom. Just take a few minutes, maybe two or three minutes, pray that prayer, sit in silence. God might not plant anything in your head or heart. It's totally fine. It doesn't mean that something wrong with you. It doesn't work. Just be patient. Just ask it. Speak God for your servant is listening. And listen for those promptings. Maybe something comes to your mind. Maybe a person comes to mind, a particular situation. It might just simply be prayer, but we're going to be attentive to that. We're going to say, God, how do you want to use me today to bless the people in my life? When I go to school, when I'm on my sports team, at Schlam tonight, at, uh, in my, uh, at my job, And the second question we're going to ask is, how do you want to use our church to bless the people of Nelson? Now let's start with the first question first, because I want to, there's a kind of a caveat to the second one. I'm going to open in prayer. I'm going to leave about a minute's silence. And a minute's silence publicly feels like about 20 minutes. So don't get freaked out or anxious. But use that time to just 
listen. You can obviously you could pray out loud if you wanted to. You could repeat the question or whatever, but you can also pray silently, and I'd encourage you to pray. So I'll pray, and then we'll just take some time to be silent, and then we'll move to the second question. Let's pray. God, we want to be a people who recognize that we are blessed to be a blessing. We want to live into that story. God, for every single person here, even today, God, how do you want to use me to bless someone in my life? How do you want to use me, God? How are you calling me to be an agent of blessing to other people? God, as we bring this request to you again and again this week, we are asking so that you would reveal your will to us. If there is something specific, God, show us. Help us to respond in faith. But help us to bring this attitude, this posture of looking for ways to be a blessing into all that we do this week. Amen. So for me right there, I didn't feel like God said audibly do this, but someone came to mind that reminded me of a commitment that I had made to that person, and I know what I need to do this week. Right away, I'm like, yep, that is very, very helpful. And so it's not always hearing God's voice. It's a prompting. It's a person. It's just being attentive and slowing down long enough to such that you're, you're not missing God's promptings because of all this other white noise in your mind and heart. Now, second question, we should be praying together. How do you want to use our church to bless the people of Nelson? Now, I want you to pray this in the confidence that comes from knowing that God is going to place interesting, creative, cool ideas in your mind. And in anticipation of this, we have a commitment to you as a church. Our missions committee is a team of people who want to help our church move into local and global mission. They have said, if you have, if God puts a burden on your heart or an idea of a way that you can bless an individual or a group or whatever, the city of Nelson, wide open. They will work with you to help put, you know, bones on that skeleton. Often people have an idea and what happens right away is they're like, I just don't know how we'd ever pull that off. The, the logistics of what it would mean just shut people down right away. They, they self-shut down. They don't bring it to anybody. It's like, well, I have this idea, but pff, it's never been done here. I, I don't see how, it, I, I don't know. Never mind. And what our missions committee message to you is don't do that. If something comes on your heart, write it down, pray about it over the next few days, maybe a few weeks. Let it incubate. That God, do you really want me to do this? And then bring it to myself or someone on the missions committee. And if you don't know who those people are, we can get connected, but just start with me. And say, I think God has given me this idea, but I, I need help. 
seeing it out because I, have, I haven't got the faintest idea how we could pull this off. Totally fine. That's awesome. And so we want to get the logistical hurdle of manpower out of the way. If I have this idea, am I going to have to do it by myself? No. You have a team of people gathered around you, supporting you to help make it happen. The next commitment that we have to you is that we are going to support ideas on how to bless this community by funding them up to $500 per project to eliminate, this would cost money. I don't think I, I, we, whatever can afford it. If there is an idea that we look at and say, this is an awesome idea, and this is a great, great way for our church to bless this particular pocket of Nelson, we will fund that project up to $500 per project. That's, that's not a $500 thing like for all of it. That's not a pool that people steal from. It's $500 per project. And we are trusting that God will provide that money. And we have, we have a kind of a slush fund for local missions that we can pull from. And it would be an awesome problem if there are so many ideas, we have to stagger them and figure out different ways to raise that $500. But we'll figure that out and God will figure that out. But we want to take away the two biggest obstacles that stand in people's way, which is I can't figure out how this would work or... I don't think we could afford it, or it costs money. We believe that if it's a God-birthed vision with a heart that says, I want to bless this part of Nelson, or bless the city and people of Nelson in this way. And again, the rules are, these aren't ideas of how to bless people within this church. So it's not, I want to do something for our youth group. Because I'm going to our youth group on Wednesday and saying, we're, as a youth group, having this challenge too, to do it to people out there. So this isn't how to kind of boomerang this blessing back on us. These are saying, God, how could we as a church, no strings attached, just blessed to be a blessing. We want to bless the city of Nelson. How could we do that? I already have some ideas percolating and some of the stuff that I've heard about happening in and through Nelson. But I'm super excited, and our missions committee is super excited to see what bubbles up if all of us bring that to God every day. For these next seven days, and then as this series unfolds, and then by the end of this series, by end of October, getting some of these projects lined up for 2017, 2018, and then saying, let's see what happens. That, to me, is awesome. So let's take a moment and pray for that. I'll pray for us as a community, and, um, and then I'll close this off. God, would you show us how we as a church, as a, what people think of as a corporate citizen, an institution that maybe only does exist for itself, that would probably be a lot of people's presumption of our, of our church. God, would you reveal to us ways that we could selflessly, in a Christ-like way, just bless the socks off this city? It might be something very small, God, but something small that makes a big difference to someone or a um, particular group here that is known to you. Could be something big. Could be something secret. Could be something very public, God. We don't care, but we want to invite you to stretch our imaginations, to plant dreams and visions for how to be a conduit of blessing. We are kicking off this kickoff Sunday, not to kick off a year of ministry for ourselves, but that we would be strengthened to be a ministry to the city in ways big and small. So God, as we pray this week, as we invite you and give you space to speak in a clear way to us, would you 
show us how you want us as Nelson Covenant Church to be a source of blessing to this city that we love and to our neighbors that we love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We are going to now end our service by celebrating the Lord's Supper together, after which we'll transition to our kickoff Sunday. And the theme, as we come to the table, that I want you to have in your head, you rumbling around in your heart, is we are blessed in order to be a blessing. We come to this table remembering this truth, and we give thanks that we're blessed to begin with, not because we earned it, or we're so good, or we're so righteous, we deserved it. We come to this table because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. We are blessed in Christ because of his love and his faithfulness and his mercy on us. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 26 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so Jesus is the reason we can approach this table as a family boldly together. And Jesus is the reason we can move from this table into the different spheres of responsibility in our lives and be a blessing to other people. He nourishes us at this table so that we are fortified and strengthened in him to be a blessing to the world around us. And so as we come to be nourished at this table, may we be given grace to see that we are strengthened in here in order to be a blessing out there. Let me pray. After I pray, I'll invite my communion helpers to come forward. The worship team can come up and we'll just have a time of worship. And whenever you feel ready, come down the middle aisle. We'll give you a piece of bread dip it in the juice. There's also gluten-free option for those of you who need it. So let's pray. Why don't you stand with me? Let's stand. Communion, God. The Lord's Supper. A place where we commune with you in a special way as we break bread with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And a supper that nourishes us, reminds us of our salvation in you, our security in you, the blessings that we have in you. And God, as we eat this morning and then break bread outside and then eventually leave, may we leave understanding that you nourish us in order to be a source of blessing and nourishment for others. We love you, God. We thank you for your great mercy and grace. We come to this table humbly. We come to this table expectantly. We come to this table celebrating your goodness and grace and faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the team can come forward, and then as you feel ready, you can come forward for communion.